Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Pressing Journal. I'm Ryan Crail. Today I'm joined by the two Pauls, Paul Third, Paul Chalk, and Jamie Durant. We're all in various places, offices, homes. Chalky, you appear to be under some kind of air conditioner. Is it cool where you are? How is everyone else? It's very cool in Inverness, as it always is. Can't, yeah. uh, I can't possibly disclose what location I'm in at the minute, but uh, ready and present oh, for another riveting episode of Northern Goal, as always. And I'm at home, as they say in the northeast. Uh, this week, uh, we'll, as always, check in with all six of our clubs, Aberdeen. It's been a, uh, it was a dismal weekend. The 6 p.m. kickoff at Dundee United, although it seemed to be a good thing. For fans, in theory, uh, didn't go so well. I don't think the Dons fans left Handice particularly happy with how the game went. Ross County, an unlikely win for them over the weekend. If you looked at the, the last 10 years against Livingston, Inverness and Cove meet each other this coming weekend. So we'll discuss both of their recent form and how we think that one's going to go. And we've also got Peterhead and Elgin City to discuss as well. Their fortunes continue to vary somewhat. But yes, Aberdeen, I think afterwards, Lee Sharp, the Don's assistant manager, who was of course in the dugout, um, but Jim Goodwin wasn't because he was serving the first of his eight-game band, uh, six six games to be served immediately, of course, two suspended until the end of the season for good behaviour, um, but Lee Sharp after the game described the 4-0 hounding the Don suffered as a bad day at the office. I would suggest, thirdly, that there were issues at Tanadice that have reared their head at various points this season. Um, so you can't just put it down to one bad day. There was fragility in the fullback position. Um, worryingly, in the other side of the defence, it's been the right side of the defence that's had problems early in the season, but Hayden Coulson on the left had a, a bit of a troubled evening. Uh, he wasn't the only person on the left-hand side of the defence or on the left-hand side of the team that maybe struggled at times, but there were also mistakes at centre-back, which we have seen in various games. Um, what's your what's your take on how things played out against Dundee United? Where do you want me to start? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was the first it, it wasn't a bad day. Oh, it was... Oh. Hold on, let's start with Lee Sharp. Um, I, felt, I felt a little bit for the assistant manager. It's the first time we've heard from him since he arrived, and it was clear from the online reaction to his post-match interview that it didn't go down very well. I think fans wanted to hear from the manager, but my understanding is Jim Goodwin has to wait a certain period of time before he can then enter the dressing room area due to how how a touchline ban works. And I would imagine speaking to his players after that performance was higher up his list of priorities than media duties. But having said that, I don't think... Lee Sharp can come out and give it the old up. It's one of those days or a bad day at the office routines because it was, it's just not the best way to go in that. The only way we know if it was one of those days or a bad day at the office is by the response that needs to now come from the team. I mean, Aberdeen had 4,000 fans there on Saturday night and they're travelling with a real sense of expectation of seeing their club build on a very good win against Kilmarnock in their previous game. But the team didn't turn up. They didn't stamp their authority on the game and they were really, they were turned over. And I think that's the galling aspect of it is but they were turned over by a team that was rock bottom in the league in terms of their confidence going into that game. And I think that's why a 4-0 defeat really stings so much. And 
I mean, in terms of the goals they lost, it was every one of them's avoidable. The players are are not being tracked from United. There's others being dragged out of position in an Aberdeen shirt. Yes, there's an FA penalty call. Then you've got a horrendous breakdown in communication between the goalkeeper and Ross McCrory that leads to the own goal for the fourth. Every team has bad days at the office. But Aberdeen have only had two good days at the office in their last 23 away games. That's dismal for a football club that wants to be challenging at the top of the table. And that is the number one thing that Aberdeen have got to fix. If they can't do that, they're going to be nowhere near the top four. Home form alone will not be enough. Dundee United have obviously scored four goals before... Saturday, then managed to double that tally against the Dons. As you say, 30 goals, 3 and 4. The Dons are pushing forward. Um, the third one is a dodgy penalty call. Soft. The Dons could have had a penalty of their own in the second half for handball, potentially. And yeah, the fourth goal is kind of no mitigating for that, but goals 1 and 2. Soft, soft, soft down the, the left side of the Dons' defence. I mean... Is, is it the second one where both Hayden Coulson and Vicente Bezewin fail to block the cross despite almost doubling up on the guy who's running down the byline? And then, I mean, the worry for me as well was Liam Scales and Anthony Stewart being nowhere in terms of getting close to Tony Watt in the Don's I, I box, think it was a second standing one, freezer bird. It, it shows you just how fragile Aberdeen's own confidences defensively when Aberdeen are, are flying and the goals are flying in at the other end of the park they look a very handy unit they do as I, as I want 11 they're, they're very good but when it's roll your sleeves up time and you're under the cosh they're folding and at, that's the worrying remnant hangover of the, the Stephen Glass era especially towards the end that Jim Goodwin hasn't eradicated yet we can all recall when he came in and he was given it in the first couple of weeks defensively we need to be better but that can be easily fixed well here we are eight months later later and it's not been fixed personnel are different but the the problems are still the same i think yeah for me there's a doesn't matter if it's set pieces or open play there seems to be a continuous issue with balls from out wide and yeah dealing with it in terms of the game, how it played out, I suppose a lot of people would point to Boyamayovsky's early chance when Jane Richardson somehow got to that uh, cross-field ball and managed to knock it back across the six-yard box and Mayovsky's got an open goal but he can't quite get a touch on the ball as a moment where confidence shot Dundee United had they conceded at that point, then the game's totally different because, you know, they probably go, oh, it's going to be another one of the, these days for them and the Dons possibly would have gone on from that in one had they got themselves in front um, in terms of Goodwin though sitting in the stand looking miserable whether he was right or wrong and whether he believes that Ryan Porteous of Hibs was guilty of blatant cheating having now seen potentially I mean if you subscribe to the fact that his absence from the dugout was part of the reason the Dons were so poor on Saturday do you think there is maybe a regret there deep down inside perhaps that he said what he said, didn't keep, didn't just keep his, his, his peace on the Porteous thing. I think I think he would regret it from the point of view of, yeah, he would never have foreseen the extent of the ban coming his way for, for, for speaking out in the manner he did. The disruption didn't help. I think that is pretty clear when you see how abject a display Saturday was. But I don't know if you can call Jim Goodwin foolish for saying 
what he did. It's a separate argument. I think he pretty much parroted, as we've all been saying, the, the comments made by Robbie Nielsen back in March after the Lewis Ferguson penalty incident at Tynecastle. And that, that's the bugbear Aberdeen have because it's clearly with the SFA and how they're looking at two near-identical interviews producing two very different outcomes. But that being said, you can't let the manager sitting in the stand become an excuse. There's another five games as it stands where he's going to be sitting and watching from on high and the team needs to get used to that, that idea and start putting in performances which makes where the manager's watching the game from irrelevant. If the Dons have their way in their appeal that they still plan, I don't think they've made the appeal yet because I don't think they've received all the evidence at time of recording, but um, if their appeal is successful then maybe he won't have to serve the remaining five games to be served immediately. In terms of I suppose in terms of what Goodwin said about Porteous, and I know we've discussed this maybe far too much at this point, um, given how long it happened, but I suppose some fans who agree with what Goodwin said about Ryan Porteous would be of the opinion that managers should be allowed to speak their speak their mind and speak the truth and not be punished for such things. Um, in terms of uh, VAR, that might have been something on the day at Easter Road that would have overturned the penalty that was given against Aberdeen that also saw uh, Liam Scales sent off for a second yellow card and we now know or certainly reports suggest that for the Motherwell game coming up that'll be the first Aberdeen game we actually see with VAR in place Uh, I think it's fair to say most people in our profession would agree it's uh, overdue that VAR is coming to Scotland I'm of that opinion but I the one part of it for me is the irony of, as it stands, Jim Goodwin is going to be sitting in the stand at Fir Park for an offence, for speaking out against an offence, which video technology, you would hope, would have picked up and overturned at the time. And that and, and that's a flaw that comes back down between the SFA and the SPFL. Why is this being introduced during the season, after the ball's been kicked, so to speak? It's, it's madness. It should have been, in the beginning... Of a season, not or we'll try or, or or just try it in cup games, not oh we'll just drop it in after the World Cup. Oh, we've got we're ready earlier than we thought. We'll just drop it in in October. What's going on here? It's it's nonsense. I suppose I, I, I don't think anyone would subscribe to the view that they should have waited until the end of the season. And you know, because I know some people suggested that there was a, maybe a lack of sport integrity if you took it in halfway through a season. But yeah, I think I think most people would have said, why couldn't this have been ready for the summer that's that's passed. Uh, Connor Barron, positive for the Dons at Tannadice. Luke good when he came on. Looked, um, it, it was it was interesting given that he's missed all of the season to this point and has been injured since pre season with what must have been a reasonably um, problematic knee issue. But he, I, I mean, he still seemed as ag- as aggressive, determined to get on the ball, as you know, as brave with the ball, um, willing to pass it forward at all times as he was last season when he broke into the first team and became a mainstay. He was one of two bright spots for me. Um, Barron shows that attacking intent. I think Leighton Clarkson does as well. The two of them actually linked up quite well. It's the first time we've seen them together and I'm sure that's something that Jim Goodwin must be pondering looking ahead to the, the Hearts game this weekend. I think both have made a strong case for inclusion because if anybody is left out of that team, this weekend, who played at Danny Dice. I don't think they've got an awful lot of <laughs> complaints, put it that way. It would certainly allow you to do something different, almost have like one sitter and have, you know, two more attacking midfielders front. I think Goodwin has said before that he sees 
Harden as a number 10, more than a kind of defensive midfielder. This weekend, it's Hearts on Sunday. Um, the game's on Sunday because Hearts go to Fiorentina in the Europa Conference League on Thursday, which can only be good for the Dons, I think. Hearts having to go all the way to Italy, to Florence, and then come back and come up the road to Pataudry for a game. Uh, surely, surely the Dons, I mean, of course they want to win every game they play, but it, it feels to me like a win this weekend would be a positive, not just because it would be three points on the board, but when you look ahead to next midweek and they've got that League Cup quarterfinal and you don't want to be going into a League Cup quarterfinal with a morale-sapping two-game losing run. No, you don't. Um, but do, it's funny, I mean, I don't. I, Hearts finished third by some distance last season. Um, and we should acknowledge that. But what you have to do is put in a performance which at least, at least gives you a chance of winning this game because a repeat of what we saw at Tannadice means it doesn't matter where Hearts are going to be. It, it, the fact that in Italy is going to be irrelevant because they will come to Pataudry and win if Aberdeen are as poor as they were last weekend. Um, competing in Europe and domestically takes its toll. We've seen that to start a season for the Dons sometimes. And Hearts are finding it a little bit tougher going, as we're seeing. I mean, they're mid-table themselves. And surely, after a tough shift in Italy, it can only be a good thing for the Dons. But the onus is still on Aberdeen to go and perform. You're right. Uh, I think if Aberdeen play like they do, uh, or like they do at Dundee United, Hearts is, half Hearts' squad could be back in their homeland of Australia on Thursday, come back for the game at Pataudry and still win. Anyway, let's move on to our other Premiership outfit, and next up we'll discuss Ross County. Okay, Chalky, uh, Andy was talking last week, Andy Skinner, of course, our colleague, about how... Livy was a difficult place for Ross County to go the way things were going. It was they were struggling at the back. Um it was a reasonably new thing that they were struggling at the back. They'd been struggling for most of the campaign so far up top and scoring goals. Um and it was unlikely that somewhere they hadn't won in ten years was going to be the place where that changed. But uh I thought it was a one nil win. Uh there was a great save from Ross Laidlaw at one point. But Jordi Hawula, he he was, I think, pretty unlucky that it wasn't him that scored the winning goal for County. Great run, positive play, good shot, cross goal, comes off the bar. Um, but luckily, Awura Edwards was there to just nod it in. Both players, I thought, looked pretty lively, and it leaves County in a healthier-looking position in the league, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a big win, and Andy was quite right to, to say uh, that Livingston game there was real pressure on Ross County on, on the back of uh, the Staggies losing so heavily to, to Motherwell the previous uh, midweek. Uh, and when you're looking for a result and the pressure's on, uh, you wouldn't pick Livingston as, as your venue really to, to go in the hunt for three points. Uh, unfortunately, you know, um, Dundee United followed up their, their win over the Dons by beating Hibs in midweek, which actually has nudged back uh, Ross County back down the table um, and they share bottom spot with Dundee United and Kilmarnock now um, but for County the next two matches are against these teams Dundee United and Kilmarnock home then away uh, you're right about Ura Edwards he, he took his goal really well uh, he was in the right spot at the right time and it was a composed finish just when when they, they needed it uh, they soaked up a lot of pressure stood strong against Livingston and uh, Livingston banked 
the majority of their points at, at home so to go there and come back with a win and as you point out Ryan a decade since they last achieved that and it, it, you only look back to last season Ross County didn't beat Livingston in any of the four games home or away um, so that, that was a, a big win for them and they needed it because the performances at home to Hibs and Motherwell before that where they leaked seven goals and didn't score any uh, they needed a win by any manner of means and to get it in West Lothian really really counted but the focus is now on this Dundee United game at the weekend in Dingwall before they head to Kilmarnock and um, although Dundee United have back to back wins and they've not conceded a goal they're, they're, they're obviously going to come north with confidence but Ross County um, you know really have to start um Banking points at, at home. That's where the majority of their points were won last year, um, and uh, you know the the confidence will have, have risen in the, the back of that that clean sheet as well. Because to to come through those, it's particularly that battering by Motherwell, the five nil, uh, to respond and get a, a, a shutout a venue like Livingston will give them belief that Dundee United have had a good week, but let's not forget. They were a troubled team before that, so let's pile the pressure back on Dundee United and get a big three points that will get them off the table. Uh, and I'm sure Ross County uh, will have the, the confidence to uh, get into this one. As you say, good chance now, uh, despite slipping back down the league, that County, after getting that win at Livy, can now beat two teams in around them. Climb. In the midweek, uh, our colleague Andy Skinner wrote an interesting analysis piece where he... Uh, proffered Ross Laidlaw as a potential goalkeeping option for the Scotland squad um, replies, quote tweets of the piece included things like, what are you smoking I'll have what he's having you know, the usual the usual things you get on football Twitter <laughs> but I would defend Andy there, I'm not sure about you guys uh, you pointed out in it, Ross Laidlaw due to Ross County's start to the season he's faced more shots than any other keeper in the Premiership he's conceded more goals than any other keeper in the Premiership but he's played pretty much all the minutes which makes him you know like one of the one of the players in the league that's played the most minutes so far this season um, one of the best save rates of the goalies in the division um, so if Motherwell's Liam Kelly is able to get in the Scotland squad um, surely Ross Laidlaw looks like a better option than maybe guys like Robbie McCrory who haven't actually played any club football this season am I, am I wrong here am I parking up the wrong tree yeah I mean it, it's a great talking point and it has got the fans uh, it's stood the fans up of, of all colours on, on this one And uh, but listen Malky Mackay who let's not forget has uh, managed Scotland at Pitodry uh, a few years ago, of course, um, it was Malky that actually came out and was beating the drum for for Ross and and, and Andy's piece, which is online as well as in uh, the P and J in midweek. Um, he says that Ross has been terrific. I'm going back since January when he got uh, back in the team in the second half of the season. He was magnificent and he's been excellent in the first part of the season. I know we're always looking for goalkeepers in this country. We have a terrific big Scott up here in the Highlands who's consistently playing well in the Premiership. And the numbers within Andy's piece back that up. Yes, he's the busiest keeper because he's saving the most shots. But, you know, the point is he's doing it. He's proving it. And um, 
he's overcome some tough challenges at, at Ross County. There, there have, are times in recent years where Andy and I have discussed that he's been sitting in the bench and you're wondering why, because he's a, a very capable shot stopper. And uh, County always look at a more solid unit with, with Ross behind them. And, um, you know, people will, will look at Ross County down the, the lower end of the table and wonder why he's even in, been discussed in, in this manner. But, you know, who who is he up against? Craig Gordon is clearly the number one. But after after that, I think it really is up for grabs because Ross is consistently playing here in the Premiership pulling off big saves and uh, I don't think there's, there's um, you know a clear I think number two and number three is up for, for grabs and what's going to be a, a massive year now for Scotland going into the, the Euro campaign I think Steve Clark's probably been looking for a, a younger kind of goalkeeping option for a, for a while given that uh, this bit for so long it's been either one of Marshall McGregor or, or Gordon um, and I mean be if you look at the kind of the other options he's had recently, like Liam Kelly is probably the one that you say maybe fair enough. He has been playing regularly for Motherwell to earn a place in the squad. John McLaughlin is very much in and out of the Rangers team. And again, he's at the towards the end of his career rather than closer to the beginning of it. Um, and you look at the other guys, Robbie McCrory's kind of, he doesn't play enough regular football for me to be in the squad. I know that they maybe want to take a look at him for the future, but he, he needs to be playing. You look at Xander Clark, who I think, tried to bet on himself in the summer to get a, a big move and it hasn't quite worked out for him because he's obviously understudy now to to Craig Gordon at Hearts and there's maybe one or two options that have been elsewhere. I think they had the boy Craig McGilvery from down at Charlton for a, and for a little bit who was in a backup and kind of has kind of faded off the scene a little bit. And there's always I think Steve Clark is probably looking for for someone to stake a claim to be their future number one. So I think if you've got a Scottish goalkeeper that's playing regularly and playing well in Scotland, then I think you need to take any kind of like snobbery out of it of where he's where he's playing and maybe just look at the stats and kind of how how he's fitting into his own team's performance and, and whether how that stacks up against against the competition. And the, and the big the big stat that, that um, within the piece is um, you know that he's completed the most saves. 33 and a very respectable safe percentage of 64.7. So although he, he's been the busiest, um, you know, he, he the numbers stack up that he's doing his job pretty well. You know, facing a barrage of shots, he's saving a really good percentage of them. Anyway, never please anyone with a Scotland uh, squad shout. Uh, let's move on. Inverness against Cove. Well, Cove against Inverness coming up this weekend so we'll discuss both teams after this short break and then move on to Peterhead now we can see okay so Chalky starting with you the 1-0 win uh, Inverness got against Park Thistle on Friday night has them now level on points at the top of the championship we won't be using the phrase joint top because there's no such thing as joint top in a league but they are level on I think it's 17 points I believe with uh, Air, Air and Partick, Billy Mackay goal. Uh, I mean, no surprise there. For us, they're going and feeling good about themselves, but I mean, it still feels a trip to Cove Rangers this weekend as one. I know Cove, their bubble burst slightly. Jamie will come up to that, but uh, I mean, it feels still fraught with danger, doesn't it, for Inverness? Yeah, I mean, it, it is in that 
you know, Cali Thistle get a terrific result, probably one of the performances of the season came against Covet and Vaness um, in the league, but uh, you only need to look back a few weeks before that where Cove drew 1-1 in the, in the Premier Sports Cup uh, took the game all the way to penalties uh, Inverness um, and then Cove on their own patch last season, of course last July uh, under Paul Hartley dispatched Cali Thistle with three goals to one so Billy Dodds is, will uh, be in no doubt that this is going to be a, a tricky one for them but uh, speaking to, to Billy and, and the players this week on the back of beating Partick Thistle uh, I, I think they'd be quite comfortable coming up against anyone right now having beaten Partick Thistle in the, in the manner they did wasn't the best performance in the world but this is a Partick Thistle side who uh, the stats showed amazingly that only Man City and Celtic were scoring more than them and they came to Inverness and were, were blocked out and uh, Billy popped up with a goal so it's four wins in a row for Inverness including big statement wins against direct rivals or teams you would expect to be rivals um, you know Wraith Rovers, Dundee Air, probably the, the, the latter two more than Wraith perhaps this season um, so it's going to be a, a challenge I think Cove will be looking for a, a big response, I think they're back to back wins against Dundee and are both uh, on the back of of course beating Wraith Rovers on the first day of the season that shows that uh, when you go to Cove Rangers, you're, you're in for a, a tricky day when Cove are on, on their game. And Jamie, I'm sure, will, will back that up in a, in a minute. But from a Cali Thistle point of view, um, they're, they're, they've got four clean sheets out of nine. Um, they're standing up in, in different types of uh, to different types of opponents, and um, yeah, they've got the one of the performers of the championship at the moment and Cammy Harper who we keep talking about every week but it's with good reason because he's uh, you know really been a sensation in, in midfield and uh, free scoring and, and picking passes and they've got Roddy McGregor back uh, who I thought was terrific against Patrick Thistle and Billy Dodds really wants a fit Roddy McGregor to be running through uh, this, this team as well so uh, yeah it's positive signs for Cali Thistle and hopefully I think the, the only thing uh, to keep an eye on is hopefully Danny Devine will be back this weekend because although they, they kept a clean sheet his experience is vital at the back alongside Robbie Dees Scottish football needs a fit Roddy McGregor Jamie, Paul as well because Paul, you saw Cove in action in their 3-0 defeat at Wraith Rovers last weekend I mean it is it is a bit of a blow to Cove because obviously with two wins in a row um was it two wins in a row? Was it a draw and a win? Two wins in a row. Two wins in a row, they were feeling good about themselves and this is maybe sort of tempered that newfound enthusiasm slightly. They're still looking much better than they, they were in the division but how, how do we see this this weekend going against the team who are, well the team who are, I'm going to say it, the champions elect as things stand. <laughs> I'll touch on Wraith and then I'll let Jamie look ahead to the bigger picture. Cove were unbeaten in four before they went to Starks Park at the weekend. Um, I don't I don't think the bubble has burst. It was just a really poor display from Jim McIntyre's side. Dare I use the Lee Sharp analogy of it? It was a bad day at the office. Um, look, Jim McIntyre said it himself. Wraith were better 1-11 than we were. We can have no complaints about the result. Mitch Meganson was more concerned about the continual slow starts, which is costing them goals and leaving them having to chase games to get back into them but Cove are going to bounce back and they're decent at home and I'm sure they'll enjoy 
the home comforts of Balmoral when uh, Carlin Thistle come to town this weekend. There's a, there's a clear discrepancy, I think, between Cove's home and away form. I mean, all of the all of Cove's wins um, this season have come at the Balmoral Stadium. The, probably the worst performance also came there as well in the defeat against Air United, but they haven't picked up anything on the road yet this season, uh, bar the kind of the, the point they got against Partick Thistle. So if there's if there's going to be a venue where Cove are going to do it, you would feel it would have to be at home. Um, given it's the pitch that they've that they've known so well over the last four and a half years, and it's where they've got a pretty formidable record, and they need more of that performance from the Dundee game than say obviously definitely not what they showed against against Wraith Rovers because that that Dundee game aside from that kind of maybe first twenty twenty five minutes where Dundee looked looked pretty decent, they outworked Dundee, um, which is exactly what you'd expect from a Jim McIntyre team. They're not going to get probably a more formidable challenge at the minute in the championship than than Cali Thistle, given the the run of form that they're on, and cover a, probably a bit a more well rounded team than the one that went to the Highlands um, on the second day of the season and got beat four one. It's it's going to, it is a difficult one to call. I mean, you'd make Cali Thistle as probably as probably favourites for the game, but again, you just said that you said that last week for for Dundee coming to town and then Cove delivered the best performance of the season, so. It would be uh, it'd be quite foolish to to write anything off at this point, and we will not do so because we must come down right down the middle when two of our teams meet. Uh, so we'll see what happens this weekend. Right before we go, Peterhead and Elgin City. Peterhead they're facing a trip to Dumfries to take on Queen of the South this weekend. They've only picked up one point. I think in the last three league games. Before that, it was the defeat to Elgin City that we've discussed enough. Um, but it was a 4-0 home scudding off Falkirk last weekend. But when you look at the table, Queen's aren't an amazing form either. I think they've not got a win in their last three. Um, There's probably a desperation Peterhead having found, finding themselves at the bottom of the league again. Um Clyde, I think, are two points above them. You, you don't really want to give Clyde the chance to get a result this weekend. It puts, you know, clear daylight five points or something between themselves and Peterhead because the way things are going at the moment for Peterhead, picking up points quite intermittently, that that feels like it would be a bit of a, a mountain for them. You thought after the win against Kelty and the comeback against Dunfermline that maybe a little bit of a corner have been turned, but then taking that hiding off of Elgin has pretty much reset them back to square one again and then they've lost games against Edinburgh City and Falkirk which are two are probably the stronger teams in the division but at the same time when you're desperately kind of clawing and clinging for positives you need something to go to go in your favour and you can't you can't kind of give anything away um, they need to stay in touch as long as possible I feel I think come January there will be even more significant changes to the squad than there's already been. Um, they do need kind of some key figures to come back, like yeah, Andy McCarthy's and Russell McLean's. I mean, they've had to operate for the last few games largely without a recognised striker, which is not going to do your chances of scoring any good. Um, but I think there will be kind of some more players leaving come January, and Jim McAnally would probably hope that they're still in touch at the bottom at that point, and then try and I don't know bring in bring in maybe two or three quality additions to to kind of boost their chances for the second second half of the season. Um, survival would probably be seen as a success at Balmua. Um You may not be able to sell that 
to support us or package it in a sexy way to say that, oh yeah, our aim this season is to stay up. And you can maybe understand that, that maybe supporters want a little bit more. But if you put it in context where you've lost 15 players in the off-season, realistically, what are you going to do to address that? You're going to have to pretty much sign the same amount to to replace them. And then what you've got, what you've kind of seen so far is that kind of lack of lack of kind of time to gel and injuries to key players. You've got where you've got them pretty much chasing the tail every week and chopping and changing teams and formations and stuff like that to try and find something that works. And at the minute, it isn't. Um, it's too early to be kind of painting any doomsday scenarios, but <laughs> I feel like I'm just kind of saying this every week, they do need to start picking up points at some stage. I look forward to another another rebuild. Three more of those in a season, they'll be like Fort William. Uh, Elegant City, a completely different story for them since well I mean it was before the, the win over Peterhead they were on a decent run maybe without winning games but boy have they started winning games now 3-2 down no 3-2 win uh, down at Stranraer at the weekend 1-0 on Tuesday night at home to Albion Rovers they're finding ways to win they're not they're not all they can't all be 4-0 wins but this weekend they're up to fourth this weekend they're one point behind Stenhouse Muir I think depending on how Stenny get on against Sterling, Elgin playing struggling for her, and that's when you think they'll be targeting to win. Elgin could be up until third. I was even seeing the office this morning, and Paul back him up on this, Paul third, that I think Elgin, once they once they get themselves into third place, they won't look back, and they'll, they're nailed on for the playoffs at the end of the season, the way things are looking at the moment. But I am, I think, would you agree, Chalky? You, you've seen them closer than I have, Uh Starting to think Elgin are the real deal, the way things are going at the moment? Well, Gavin Price, the manager, feels that this is the best Elgin squad that he's had at his disposal in his time at Borough Briggs. Um, he has held the impact of Ross Draper coming in from Cove Rangers. He's uh, in the heart of the defence uh, alongside uh, Jake Dilzanski, who's coming from Gene Field Swifts, um, who's really kind of stepped up. Uh, in, in more ways than one, he got the, the winner against a, a very good Albion Rovers side, it has to be said, at the weekend. And what Gavin was pointing out, I mean, he said it before the game and he stressed it afterwards after we'd sat down and watched how good second bottom Albion Rovers actually were, is that, um, you know, you shouldn't just assume that teams are, that are down there are, are going to be, you know, cannon fodder, far from it. Albion Rovers were a, a real test and kept Elgin uh, busy and they, they really had to work. But uh, I should point out, you know, Kane Hester, 15 goals, Russell Dingwall, 7 goals, um, and we're not even at mid-October now, so it gives them a, a fighting chance, and I think you're right, Ryan, when you look at that table, if they do follow up, you know, they do play bottom of the league for for this weekend, but if they, they can show a professional approach and get another three points, uh, it could, of course, uh, take them into third, depending on the, the Steny result. And, um, you know, Dumbarton are up the top after their flying start, but they've they've stuttered a wee bit. And I don't think this season in League 2, there's an, out an outstanding team like a Kelty Hearts, Queen's Park or Cove that we've seen before. It's opened the door for everyone. And I think it's going to be a real battle. But you look at, at Elgin and they've got a lot of quality right throughout the team. They've got options all over the place. Um, he's brought in more North players this, this season, which really helps as well. And there is a growing belief that they've only lost one game in 12 now. Um, but Price was stressing so much the importance of, of Ross Draper and his experience and how that has helped the, the team overall. 
Okay, long may it continue for Elgin. I say there's been far too much over the over the years, far too much Elgin doom and gloom on this podcast. Uh, makes a nice change. Anyway, that's it for this week's episode of Northern Goal. Thanks to Paul, Paul and Jamie for joining me today. Cheers, guys. Thank you, Dan. Cheers. You're welcome. Hope you can find your way out of that room, Jamie, in the darkness. Anyway, uh, if you liked this week's episode of Northern Goal, you can subscribe on your favourite podcast app email any questions or queries to northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk enjoy football whichever games you're watching this week cheers hope you loved the episode and if you did we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to pick up your copies of the press and journal and evening express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the north